Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. As always, we are ex-Mormon Christians united for Jesus. Find us at unveilingmormonism.com. That's unveilingmormonism.com. My name is Lynn Wilder. And I'm Michael Wilder. And we're trying very hard not to get canceled, okay? Because we got this unique person with us today. I mean, if everything just goes black, we know suspicious things are happening on the internet so but uh, anyway uh, we like to introduce good old Richard here who's just uh, a, a wonderful friend uh, and this is part two with Richard Dutcher um, Richard Dutcher was the original Mormon filmmaker Mike and I lived in Utah for eight years and we knew very well who who he was when we were at LDS um, we very much liked Richard. God has actually <laughs> led Richard out of the Mormon church. We're going to hear about that today. Um, but Richard said in the last part of his story that he knew at age 14 exactly what he wanted to do with his life. Now, that's kind of unusual, Richard. You were LDS at the time. Um Tell us, tell us about that experience. Welcome back. Well, yeah, great. When I was uh, actually, it was long before I was fourteen. It was when I was about, I, I was seven. Was uh, in Southern Illinois in Mount Vernon, small town, and I I talked in the previous segment about how my parents divorced when I was six, and my mother started dating, and uh, and I actually the last time I told this story, I got it wrong. Um, and uh, I was talking to my mother this past week, and she made some corrections. So this is the um, because she remembers really well um, what happened as well. So what happened was I previously thought it was the Mormon guy um, that she later married who took us to what what was the first movie, like in a movie theater that I had ever seen. Because as I explained before, we were uh, I grew up Pentecostal. And we didn't go see movies. We could watch TV, but we could never go to the movie theater. So when my mother started dating after the divorce, um, one of the men that she was dating took us to a movie. And it was uh, it was at the Granada Theater in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Still stands. In my mind, it's a sacred space. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it was one of those old Art Deco kind of theaters from the 1920s that were, you know, big, just beautiful um, you know, so basically out of place in this little Illinois town, you know, you walk through this magnificent hallway with the mm. lights and mirrors and the red and gold carpet. And, you know, and then you'd go to this, you know, auditorium that would seat 400 people with a huge screen, you know, the old style, um, luxury, Hollywood luxury in Illinois. <laughs> and, but I'd never been in, of course, because, you know, we, we lived in a tiny little, you know, we were lower, uh, lower class, working class people. My family all came from, you know, bartenders and, and bricklayers and coal miners and that kind of thing. So, uh, so it was enough of an impression just going to the Granada theater, just walking through there. But then we sat down close to the front. We were down there, my brother and I, and my, my mother and her date were in the back and, uh, the movie started and for me, it was uh, it was a transforming experience. It was 
I think I, I had never seen anything like that, you know, big. And, and I remember watching it just being absolutely thrilled and drawn in and like I'd never been before. And, uh, and I knew, I didn't know what that was, you know, it was like, I, I, I didn't know, you know, how movies were made or anything, but I remember just thinking, whatever this is, I'm in, this is it. <laughs> and, uh, and my mother, a part of the story I'd forgotten, she reminded me last week was she said that during the movie, uh, at some point during the movie, I had gotten up and run back to her and very excitedly was saying, saying, you know, I love this. I love this. This is the best movie ever. And then I Aww. ran to finish watching it. Um, but it wasn't just that it was a, a great movie. It was um, it was John Wayne and the Cowboys, uh, one of John Wayne's last movies. And uh, great movie. I rewatched it recently, and it's still a wonderful movie. But, but wow, it made an impression. And one of the things that sticks out to me the most was you know, I remember the experience so well, but but going home, I that was the thing that really stuck with me because I was in the back of the car looking out the window um, and we were driving down these roads that I had seen every day of my life pretty much. And and suddenly the world was different. The, the buildings that I had seen, they, they were suddenly new and just etched into my brain and, and the trees and the lights. And I mean, it was like the world had come alive for me somehow. Um, and I was, uh, uh, born again in a way, you know, that suddenly I knew, you know, again, I didn't know what that was, but I knew I had to be a part of it. And that never changed. It's like, I just absolutely knew that that was where I was going. So, uh, as if God had given you these desires, right, and these talents and gifts and this focus um, for His purposes, right? Eventually, yeah, never, never any question is like all through, uh, you know, in high school. Uh, every all I, you know, I just anything I could learn about movies, how they were made you know, what they were. And, and, you know, I learned stuff fairly quickly, but again, complete outsider, didn't have any family, family members or friends who were at all connected to the film industry. So, you know, I didn't have an in in any way. And, uh, but all during, you know, college, I, you know, just learning how to write. And then I, I did, you know, theater. I just wanted to learn how to act and um, hadn't really decided what my place was going to be in that world, but I knew that I was going to be in that world somehow. And, uh, um, and then that, but that was where an interesting, when I got to be 18 and according, you know, the LDS church, of course, I started to get the pressure to serve a mission. And by this time we were living in Utah. Um, my parents had moved from Southern Illinois to, uh, Wisconsin and then to Kentucky and then to Utah. So I was actually, my last three years of high school were in Salt Lake city and, uh, so that's where I was when um, when it was time for me to start being serious about going on a mission. Oh, and then Kansas, we moved to Kansas too. So it was, but but high school was was in Utah. But uh, I was. That's where a conflict started because I wanted so much. I told you earlier about you know I was very devout, very serious about my relationship with God um, in Mormonism, and wanting to serve God and 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 please God. 
but yet I really wanted to make movies and they <laughs> seemed like um, incompatible things. And in many ways they were for a very long time, but right in the midst of that, when I was so, it was like, I, I didn't want to go on a mission really. Um, I really just wanted to pack up a duffel bag and go to Hollywood and just see what I could make happen. Um, and then it was actually a, a, a movie that changed my mind because <laughs> another one of those spiritual experiences where, um, and I've had so many in, in movie theaters, but um, it was, uh, it was during a George Lucas movie, the, uh, the empire strikes back. Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was, I was sitting in there and then there was this big deal with the, the evil emperor and Darth Vader trying to tempt Luke away. And, and, um, and I just, I saw myself being torn between these two things, you know, to me, it was like the, my worldly desires to, and then the, you know, being, feeling like I was called to serve God instead. And what was I going to choose? And then again, after the movie, I was just, you know, overcome with, you know, the understanding of what I, I needed to do. And so I chose to, to serve a mission. So George Lucas helped me, uh, helped me decide to become an LDS missionary. <laughs> okay. Um, that, I've heard a lot of things on Star Wars, but that's, that's a new one. Okay. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a new cool. concept that watch Star Wars and I decided to serve a mission. <laughs> so, so did Darth, did you see like Darth Vader saying, Richard, do not serve a mission. Uh, or did you hear, <laughs> Richard, you must serve a mission. Uh, which one was it? Oh, you don't have to answer. But uh, but that's, that's interesting. It's amazing. It's like, you know, back in the late 50s, you know, I got to see the great movie, Ben-Hur. Yeah. Uh, and I was just amazed at it. I mean, it's it still, it's probably my favorite movie of all time, even today. Uh, but uh, I, I saw it with my... Uh, parents and my sister we went all the way downtown cincinnati to one of these huge 180 degree screen i mean it was just it was just like three cameras were filming you know showing the pictures and everything and so after that movie i decided i want to be a computer science major so uh <laughs> no, no. It, it affected me but i didn't know how to relate to it but but i i just was always touched by that movie um and so did you go to it, college at all before your mission? Yes, I did one year at Brigham Young University. Uh, and the reason I went to BYU was uh, uh, after high school, you know, I'd done, in high school, I'd done the theater and student government and editor of the newspaper and just did all kinds of stuff. And, and I was offered some scholarships to like Utah. I'll, I didn't know, you know, later I realized that my grades were good enough and I had so much extracurricular stuff. I could have gone anywhere I wanted. Um, I didn't know. I was the first college graduate in my family, you know, so um, I didn't know. I was I was the first one to go to college, basically, except for one of my aunts who went to college, but it turned out she was really in prison, but they just told all the kids that she was uh, going to college. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's my story. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, so the, the reason I went to BYU was because they gave me the best scholarship, and so I thought, and I, you know, I was a poor kid, and I just had to go where where the money was best. So I went to BYU. I did a year and then I went and served in Mexico. And uh, yeah, so quick Mexico. It was, it was amazing. I was a serious missionary. I loved it. Um, I actually got thrown in jail 
for uh, um, being a missionary because uh, technically it's illegal. It was at that time. I assume it still is for for foreign mm-hmm. for foreign born people to be ministers in Mexico. Um, it's been that way for a long, long time. Um, and so I didn't know that, of course, I'm just serving down there and I get taken at gunpoint and thrown in a Mexican jail. And, nice. uh, <laughs> and then later some apostle got me out, paid somebody the, some amount of money and got me out. But, uh, but yeah, so the mission was great. Oh, by the way, they didn't send me home. They just, sent me to a little village where I was out of the way so nobody could find me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They didn't mind breaking, breaking the law was okay. That, that wasn't, uh, wasn't an issue. But um, after the mission, uh, and it kind of shows the way my brain kind of worked. And, and in a way, one of the things my mission president told me in my exit interview, you know, how when you finish your two years and you're about to go home, you sit down with the mission president, who's the older man who who oversees the mission and, and everything that happens there for counsel and that kind of thing. And he told me, he said, this stuck with me, too. He's, you know, he, he congratulated me for my service, for serving the Lord. And then he said, now it's time for you to go home and build your own kingdom. And that really, it set me back for a minute. And then I liked it. I thought, oh, that's, you know, build my own kingdom. Um, cool. <laughs> um, so Meaning what? Do good works, end up in the celestial kingdom with a wife and more wives and become a yeah. god, I suppose? I, I guess so. Yeah, it's like go home, start a family, you know, make a bunch of money, build my kingdom. So that's what I did. I went home and I immediately was like, okay, I've served my mission and served it honorably and gave it my all. And now, now it's my time. It's my turn, you know, to do it. Now the Lord's going to bless me. It's a very, uh, you know, LDS kind of way of thinking, you know, when you, when you get right down to it. So I don't, you know, so immediately went back to BYU, finished, got my film degree, and then immediately went out to Los Angeles, like I had wanted to do, you know, years before, but this time, instead of a duffel bag, now I had a wife and a little tiny compact car and a cat. And so we stuffed everything in and, and went to Los Angeles. And uh, I started trying to get work as a writer, as an actor, anything that I could do. So that got that got me there. But then it was, uh, you know, again, it was very focused at that time. I was I was as focused on starting my career as I had been as a missionary on on spreading Mormonism. And uh so I immediately started to, oh, great story I should tell you is uh, um, right after my mission and I was in Kansas City sitting down at a, at a, I'd just gone to the bookstore and I'd found this book that was about independent filmmaking and I, I bought the book, it's a big thick book written by a guy named Gary Goodell and I went and I sat down, was eating my lunch and reading this book that was all about independent filmmaking. It wasn't about working for the studios. It was um, talking about all the guys who work outside of the studio system and how they get their films financed, how they get them made, how they get them distributed. And that was that was another one of those, um, you know, milestone moments where it was like, oh, this is it. It was like this. I, I instantly knew this is where I'm going. This is what I'm supposed to do is to be an independent filmmaker, not to be a Hollywood filmmaker. Um, so then when I got out to Los Angeles, that was my focus of just you know, continuing to learn, but in a really, really focused way. 
how to make films, finance films, distribute films. And that's what I did for um, 10 years down there. So, so I actually made a film, a feature length film that was, uh, you know, I started from scratch and, and again, I just had to go out and learn how to raise money. I managed to get together about 50,000. Well, I managed to get together about $14,000. And so I thought, well, I can start with this. And so I had written a script that I could uh, shoot. I was managing an apartment building. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll write a script around this building so I can film here. Um, and I kind of like murders in the building. Uh, well, kind of, except it was a romantic comedy. So there wasn't any murder. There was just a lot of kissing going on. And, uh, um, anyway, that film was called girl crazy and it was a huge, like five year process where from the, you know, raising the money, writing the script, getting the film shot, which was crazy when you have no money. And it was a huge cast of like 50 people and, mm. and, a, and, uh, and then getting the film edited and then finally getting it sold. And that was just an all-consuming project for about five years. And any money that my wife and I would get would go into the film, you know, after we had our bare essentials covered. And uh, and yeah, but, but then that led to a moment where a really a turning point moment, which was when I finally finished the film and the film was just, you know, it was a romantic comedy and it was cute. It taught me a thousand times more than anything in college had ever taught me at the university, just learning as I, as I did it. Um, but then finally after that whole process and I had a, a distributor who was interested in distributing the film and um, I'm telling the story in a very abbreviated way, but it, it was, uh, I found myself sitting across the desk from this guy, Hollywood, you know, it was in Santa Monica and this guy was a real wheeler dealer and he had just finished snorting some cocaine and, and I was sitting across the desk from him and he's selling me on the picture and telling me it's a great movie, but there's no, there's no nudity. And I, I want you to go back and I want you to shoot some nudity, cut it into the film uh, every seven or eight minutes, a little bit of nudity. He said, we're going to sell this thing all over the place, make so much money. And I was sitting across the desk from this guy and it was like, yeah, the movie was, I mean, it was just a romantic comedy and it was, um, it wasn't, there wasn't any nudity, but it was a little naughty. It was a little, you know, just whatever I thought the market might want. But I was sitting there thinking, how did I get to this place? How am I sitting across the desk? And how am I actually considering going to shoot some nudity into this film so that I can sell the film finally? And, and, uh, and then I walked away just realizing, wow, I've, I've lost my way. And I called the guy up and said, I can't, I'm not going to cut in any nudity. And he said, ah, that's all right. Probably took another snort of cocaine and said, we'll sell it anyway. And um, and so they did sell the film, but it took it caused a real reevaluation with me where I walked away just thinking, this is not what I want. Um, and thinking that uh, I was going to have to give up filmmaking because I was just seeing how it really works um, in Hollywood. and uh, And just realizing that something had gone wrong. So, uh, so but I you're still active LDS, right? I was, uh, I was technically active, but not really, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. I, I'm still a believer, but I'd gotten so caught up in, in just work and, and in the Hollywood scene that I just, uh, 
you know, I wasn't, you know, living the Hollywood lifestyle. I was still, you know, faithful to my wife and, you know, wasn't drinking or smoking or anything like that. But I just, my heart was really in, I just wanted to make a living as a filmmaker. That's what I wanted to do. And, and that's where my heart really was. And that's when I realized, oh boy, I got to turn things around. So, uh, and I found that way where, you know, it was like, I wanted to be a man of God. I wanted to be a filmmaker. And there was just no way that those two things were going to work. And so I felt like I was giving up filmmaking and um, which seemed strange to me because it was like, I felt so much that that's what I was supposed to do. And, and I'd been working so hard for it. And, and I'd learned so much in making my first film that I felt like I was ready to do something. And yet I felt like I had to walk away from it. And then another big experience where I'm, I'm, I'm sitting outside my apartment barbecuing some hamburgers for, for uh, my little family. And we lived right next to Warner Brothers, like so close that I could have thrown a golf ball over the, over the wall and, uh, and hit, you know, Tom Cruise or something. <laughs> but, um, and so I'm there flipping burgers and it's a Friday and I've got the LA Times spread out because every Friday they'd put out the movie reviews and I always just was wanting to know what was happening, what, what was opening. And, and that particular Friday I was reading, there was a new uh, Indian film, you know, there was, there was the, all the Hollywood stuff, but there were specialty films, you know, films for the Indian um, market. And the, and there was a new film for the gay and lesbian market. And there was a new film for the, for black audience. And, and I, I was sitting there thinking I was frustrated because I was like, why do all these, communities get their own films but more we mormons we don't get any films and that's when it just it was like lightning bolt and i just went and i sat down and the calculation started going through my head and i was like wait a minute there's 11 million at that time there was like 11 million mormons in the world and we we love movies and we're always misrepresented in movies and tv shows and and i just knew instantly that that if i could make a film for that audience alone and if it was a good film it would be successful. And then I was off on another five-year mission to get my first, first one of those films made, which was called God's Army. So that's So these we, were independent films, right? And you went looking yeah. for donors. You did this in Hollywood or Utah? No, this was, I was living in, uh, I was living in Burbank, California. Um, and uh, uh, after I had made that first film, I got fired from my apartment managing job because I had shot my film there and all the residents were angry <laughs> because um, I had taken over the building for a month. And uh, so I got fired and, and we did a couple other little jobs and then um, we like, we just landed in Burbank. And so that's where I was when I had that epiphany and we stayed there and uh, I immediately went out. Yeah, absolutely independent. So it was like, I didn't, I didn't go to the LDS church and say, Hey, this is what I want to do. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't go to any studios. I knew nobody was going to finance a film about more. And I decided that's what the film would be, would be a film about Mormon missionaries in Los Angeles, but a real story, like, like the way it really is not, not the way that, uh, not the way that the LDS church presents it generally in an idealistic mm -hmm. Um, but just be as authentic as I could to that experience. And then, uh, and so I knew no studio was going to want to finance something like this. 
But uh, so I had to do it independently. And it was just the same thing where I'm like knocking on doors, calling people out of the blue, just, you know, anybody that knows somebody that might have $5,000 to put into a movie or whatever, whatever I could get in order to, to make this film. Um, and I knew how to do that, you know, from before this was just a step up where that other film total had cost $55,000. This one was going to cost $250,000. Um, so it was just like, you know, another big step up and trying to find every wealthy Mormon I could find to uh, hopefully find one who would believe in it enough to to finance it. And, uh, and this was the first of many. We're getting to the end. This was the first of many that Richard did. And we Mormons loved his film. Um, it portrayed us, it por portrayed us positively and we thought authentically. And um, this guy had a gift. <laughs> How funny that someday God would turn him a little bit different direction. Right, Richard? <laughs> So how many films did you make until your out of Mormonism moment came true? You have about a minute. Well, all right, I'll use visual aids. So I did, uh, so God's Army, there's that one. That was the first one that kicked it off. It was huge. I knew it would be successful and it was hugely successful um, and distributed all across the U.S. And then immediately the financing for the next one was easy because the the first movie had been successful. So then I did Brigham City. And mm -hmm. uh, and then some interesting things started happening, which we'll probably cover in the next episode. <laughs> yeah, um, like the Spirit of God returned. <laughs> and this is, uh, this is key in that story. So this was the, the follow-up. Yeah. God's so, Army 2, States of Grace. He's holding up our family. Yeah. Love this Love movie. That. Richard was beginning to rethink things and um, was coming to have an understanding of God's grace. Sorry, Mike, I thought you were about to say something. Oh, it's, it's, it, again, it's amazing how God uses this scenario of setting everything up um, and guiding Richard to where he thought he was going to become a bigger and bigger and bigger Mormon movie and maker. And God says, okay, I'll start you out this way, but I'll start changing things slightly. And lo and behold, uh, kind of like the way he did in our lives. Uh, uh, we were happy where we were, but then this Jesus gets in the way. So, And we love him. Yes, yes. <laughs> Grace and peace to you. Until next time, Mike. And may God bless. Thank you, Richard. <laughs>